The Darksaber is more than a simple weapon. It is a mile marker within the galaxy of Star Wars storytelling. It is one of the only tangible items in Star Wars that is deeply connected to so many important characters and can be traced through many of the popular series and stories produced by Lucasfilm and Disney. To my knowledge, its only equivalent would be Anakin Skywalker's lightsaber. Anakin's blue-bladed saber first appeared during the prequel films. We watched as Anakin used it during seven seasons of the Clone Wars series as well, leading up to Episode 3, in which Obi-Wan took it after defeating his former apprentice. Decades later, Obi-Wan passed it on to Anakin's son Luke in Episode 4, A New Hope. In The Empire Strikes Back, Luke lost the saber and his hand during a battle with his father, Anakin turned Darth Vader, in the Cloud City of Bespin. The saber was somehow retrieved 30 years after Luke lost it, and it wound up at Maz Kanata's castle in Episode 7, The Force Awakens. And Maz passed it on to stormtrooper-turned-resistance hero Finn, who brought it to Starkiller Base in an effort to rescue Rey. At the end of the film, using the saber, Finn fought Anakin's grandson, Ben Solo, who called himself Kylo Ren. And when Kylo struck down Finn, Rey reached out to the saber using the Force, and it came to her, allowing her to defeat Kylo and flee Starkiller Base. And although they were enemies, there was a strong connection between Kylo Ren and Rey. So much so that over the course of Episode 8, The Last Jedi, that connection grew to the point in which they worked together to defeat Supreme Leader Snoke in his throne room. Rey hoped that Kylo would once again become Ben Solo and join the light side of the Force, but Kylo's greed for power divided them. They fought over Anakin's saber, severing it in half in the process. In the final Skywalker film, Rise of Skywalker, Rey fixed Anakin's saber. And after years of wavering between the light and dark sides of the Force, Ben Solo turned his back on the First Order and embraced the path his grandfather took at the end of his life decades earlier. Rey and Ben put an end to the Emperor and the threat of the Empire once and for all. In the film's epilogue, Rey brought Anakin's saber back to Tatooine and buried it in the sand, where it sits until the Force calls someone new to find it. The Darksaber's path has been a storied and exciting one that rivals that of Anakin's saber. As we've witnessed in the previous two episodes of the history of the Darksaber, it has played a crucial role in each of the major Star Wars series released within the past decade. This is part three of the incredible story of the black-bladed weapon forged by the Mandalorian Jedi Tar Vizsla centuries earlier. This is the final part of the Saber's journey thus far, traveling through the animated series Star Wars Rebels and winding up in the possession of Moff Gideon in the live-action series The Mandalorian. This is the conclusion of Sabine Wren's Rebels arc and her mission to find a Mandalorian worthy of wielding the Darksaber and ruling Mandalore. This is the story of the Darksaber. And this is Star Wars Prototypes and Production.
From Coruscant to Tatooine, and every planet in between, Star Wars, prototypes and production, with your host, David Quinn. It's a trap! Yes, master. Sabine, Ezra, Kanan, and Fen Rao headed to Cronist, the home of Sabine's mother, Ursa, and the rest of Clan Wren. Although her family initially viewed her as a traitor, Sabine was able to speak privately with her mother and to reconnect with her brother after revealing she currently owned the Darksaber. Mother? We need to talk. The Darksaber. And while the hard edges of Sabine's relationship with her mother was softening, Ursa Wren's allegiance was still with the Empire. After Sabine revealed she had the Darksaber, Ursa contacted Gar Saxon to inform him of the Saber's location. Sidious had installed Saxon as the acting ruler and governor of Mandalore, and upon hearing that the two Jedi and the Darksaber were at the Wren compound, he assembled a team and flew to Cronist. Fortunately, Fen Rao stayed hidden during the reunion between Sabine and her mother, and had heard Ursa's conversation with Gar Saxon. Rao planned to ambush Saxon and his warriors, and waited for the perfect moment to do so. When Saxon arrived, his army surrounded the unarmed Jedi and the members of Clan Wren. The last time he held the Darksaber, it was to return it to Maul to prepare for battle on Xanbar during the Son of Dathomir comic arc and as ruler of Mandalore, it was now his to claim. In his conversation with Ursa, Saxon had agreed to let Sabine stay with her on Cronist, in exchange for the Jedi and the Saber. But as he and his army held all of them captive, Saxon changed his mind. He decided that since they conspired with the traitorous rebels, that Clan Wren was guilty of treason and would be wiped out as a result. But he offered Sabine's brother Tristan a role within the Empire, as long as Tristan would turn against his family. Tristan paused, and stepping in front of Sabine, he rejected Saxon's offer, pointing his blaster at him. And Gar Saxon ignited the Darksaber. Then Clan Wren ends here. At that moment, Fen Rao burst through the glass in front of the building. He threw lightsabers to Kanan and Ezra. Took you long enough, Rao! I've been busy. The battle between Clan Wren and Saxon's army erupted in a hail of blaster fire. Remember, only blast the guys in white. I got it. Ursa picked off a few of the soldiers with her blasters, but Saxon saw her back was turned to him. He crept up on her to kill her with the Darksaber. Sabine noticed her mother was in danger and aimed at Saxon, but her blaster was shot out of her hand by a nearby soldier. Sabine! Ezra threw his lightsaber to her and she ignited it, jumping to her mother's rescue and blocking Saxon's attack. You will be taken back to Mandalore to finish what you started. The last living member of the Ren clan. Propelled by his jetpack, he caught Sabine and they crashed through the glass wall, landing on the snow-covered ground below them. Sabine! 
impressed. You have some skill, but not enough to save you. That's funny. I was about to say the same thing to you. Their saber battle carried out onto the frozen lake outside of the compound. Saxon swung wildly at Sabine, who blocked his every move. The ice below their feet started to splinter under the weight and pressure. Sabine parried Saxon's blow with Ezra's saber and inflicted her own damage, swiping Saxon's arm. The dark saber spun into the air as Saxon fell to his knees. Sabine caught the dark saber and deftly moved the blades in a scissor-like manner at Saxon's throat. Yield. I'll never yield to you, girl. You'll have to kill me. That might be the Mandalorian way, but it's not my way. Not anymore. Sabine had bested Saxon and was the rightful possessor of the Darksaber. She nodded to her brother to restrain Saxon, and as she walked away from him, Saxon stood up and pointed his blaster at Sabine. A shot rang out, and Sabine stiffened, her eyes widening with fear. Turning around, she saw Saxon clutching his chest as a fresh wound glowed like a tiny flame. She turned back around to see Ursa, her mother, the head of Clan Wren, holding a smoking blaster. Mother. No one threatens our family. Gar Saxon was guilty of treason against the throne, collaboration with our enemy, and the execution of my fellow protectors. But when the rest of Mandalore finds out about his death, there will be chaos. Perhaps Mandalore needs chaos if it's to become strong once again. And so that we may find a leader worthy of our people. As the rebels prepared to leave Cronist, Fen Rao and Sabine decided to stay. Sabine's father was being held hostage on Mandalore, and she and Rao would help her mother get him back. Sabine wanted to be there for her people in their time of need. After Gar Saxon's death, his brother, Tiber Saxon, became governor of Mandalore. Sabine and Clan Wren reunited with the rebels after hearing that her father, who was located in an imperial prison, was being transferred to Sundari, where he would face public execution for the crimes of his clan against the Empire. The rebels and Clan Wren staged an attack on the prison, but found it to be empty. Ursa tried to contact her daughter to warn her that her father was in the process of being transported, and when she couldn't, she sent the only people she wholly trusted, ones from another clan with whom she had a long and storied relationship. This was a trap set to lure you in. Your mother received this intel, but she couldn't get word to you. The Empire was jamming all transmissions. She sent me ahead to reinforce you. I understand she's on her way. Who are you? Kanan and Ezra, this is Lady Bokatan of House Kreis. Her sister, Satine, once ruled Mandalore. Bokatan was made regent by the Jedi before the end of the Clone War. She's still seen by many as Mandalore's rightful ruler. So what happened? 
After the Empire took over, I refused to obey the Emperor and was betrayed by the Saxon clan. Your commitment to Mandalore's freedom is legendary, my lady. This belongs to you. Sabine reached out to offer the Darksaber to Bo-Katan, but she refused to take it. I had my chance to rule, and I failed. I am not my sister. I am not the leader you seek. Together, Sabine and her family were able to rescue her father, with help from Fen'Ral, Bo-Katan, the Night Owls, and the Rebels. Ezra located the transport and pulled Sabine's father to safety before it careened off a cliff. But Tiber Saxon continued to pursue them. He sent another assault force against them, this time armed with the weapon Sabine originally helped create. Sabine radioed to her mother and brother to get out of the area in which they and the other members of Clan Wren were stationed. A ship touched down not too far from them, dropping off what appeared to be a two-legged ATST walker vehicle equipped with a glowing core attached to the front of it. The walker moved closer to the Mandalorian army, then stopped. Once the walker's weapon was charged, it fired through the crowd in front of it. Out of the blue-lighted core came a series of energy bolts, ripping through the Mandalorians, as if it were drawn to them. It burned up the Mandalorians' nearly impenetrable Beskar armor, and disintegrated the soldiers in front of Sabine and the rebels. After the pulse, the walker returned to the ship that carried it, and flew off, leaving Sabine stunned and despondent, fearing her family was wiped out. Governor Saxon reported the success of the attack to the Empire. As you see, the arc generator's energy pulse is drawn to the Beskar alloy in the Mandalorian's armor, superheating it and instantly vaporizing the target. And all the while, doing no harm to our Imperial stormtroopers. The weapon is fully operational, as promised. It had been a test run, and now that Saxon knew it would work, he would need to capture Sabine, the weapon's original architect, and would force her to modify it. With the weapon operating at its maximum capability, it would be able to take out full armies and to stop the Mandalorian uprising began by Clan Wren. But Sabine's family was not lost. Her mother and brother had received her warning and were able to escape the weapon's blast radius. But the guilt of the lives lost hung on Sabine's shoulders. And for Bo-Katan, the fact that weapon was made by one of her own stung sharply. You told us you destroyed it. I did. The Empire must have rebuilt it. They... You're a Mandalorian. Why would you create such an abomination? This is the weapon of a coward. I was young. It was a challenge, and I was arrogant. But when I realized the Empire tested it and actually planned to use it, I sabotaged the prototype and destroyed the plans. I thought that was the end of it, I swear to you. The rebels returned to Bo-Katan's camp to recruit as many Mandalorians from Clan Kree's as they could to wage an attack on Tiber Saxon's Star Destroyer and to destroy the weapon it housed. But when they arrived, the Mandalorians refused to hear what Sabine had to say, aiming their blasters at her. 
But Bo-Katan's view of Sabine softened, and she urged her loyal followers to give Sabine a chance. It's true. I designed the weapon as a loyal student at the Imperial Academy. The Empire is using my prototype, but it's only functioning at a fraction of its capacity. At full power, it will destroy armies. So, you've got a choice to make. We can fight each other, or we can destroy this weapon once and for all. I understand your anger. In many ways, I feel the same. But Sabine is right. Now is not the time for us to be divisive. She knows the most about this weapon and how to destroy it. We need her. It's time for you to prove your loyalty. Not just to your family, but to all of Mandalore. While Sabine and the Rebels worked on a plan with Clan Wren and Clan Kreese, Fen Rao pulled Bo-Katan aside. I'm surprised to see you so swayed by Sabine Wren. You seem to be as impressed with her as I am. I had my doubts, Rao. But she came back to face her past and her bold initiative has impressed me. She has become a courageous leader. She reminds me of the best of who we were and could inspire us to become more than we have been of late. I will not allow her efforts to be wasted. Once the Rebels and the Mandalorians had infiltrated Tiber Saxon's Star Destroyer, they split into three teams. Kanan, Ezra, and Fen Rao would locate the plans for the weapon and would erase the blueprint for it from the Imperial database. Sabine and Bo-Katan were tasked with disarming the weapon, and Ursa Wren and the Mandalorians would protect both teams from stormtroopers. After destroying the blueprints, Ezra raced to the upper level to help Sabine and Bo-Katan. However, Tiber Saxon was waiting for them, as he knew Sabine would try to sabotage the weapon. With a blaster aimed at Ezra and Bo-Katan, he forced Sabine to modify the weapon to its maximum power, or he would kill them all. When she finished making the necessary changes, she turned it on. But the bolts of lightning did not destroy the Mandalorian armor she and Bo-Katan wore. Instead, she had modified it to be drawn to Stormtrooper armor, effectively shutting down Tiber Saxon and all the Stormtroopers on the ship. Once Saxon was taken out, she overloaded the weapon by slicing through it with the Darksaber, destroying it and taking the Star Destroyer down with it. As the Rebels and the Mandalorians left the ship, Sabine looked back on what she hoped would be the first of many victories against the Empire by the United Clans of Mandalore. And when they arrived back to Clan Kreese's camp, Bo-Katan acknowledged that the Mandalorians would face retaliation by the Empire. But Sabine knew she had found the leader who would help Mandalore defeat the Empire. This is only the beginning. The Empire will send everything they have to crush Mandalore. That is why you should lead us, my lady. You had the courage to make a difficult decision. With your guidance, you have the wisdom of a ruler. There's no one I trust to wield the Darksaber more than you. And I am not alone. The door to their ship opened. 
revealing Mandalorians from many clans awaiting their arrival to pledge their support. Clan Vizsla is with you. Clan Rook is with you. Clan Elder is with you. Clan Kreese is with you. The Protectors are with you. Clan Wren is with you. Now I understand why the Saber came to me. It came to me so I could pass it to you. I accept this sword for my sister, for my clan, and for all of Mandalore. And all of the Mandalorians knelt in recognition of their new leader, Bo-Katan Kryze. And in the end, Bo-Katan, the Mandalorian who once fought for the planet's warlike traditions, restored peace by uniting the clans as the ruler and rightful possessor of the Darksaber. According to the Star Wars timeline, almost a decade after Sabine handed the Darksaber to Bo-Katan, the saber found its way into the hands of Moff Gideon. When I watched Gideon slice through the hull of his downed TIE fighter in the Mandalorian's season finale, I was completely shocked to see the Darksaber in a live-action Star Wars show. As you can tell from the past three episodes of this podcast, the Darksaber's history is vast and has impacted characters and story arcs over the past decade of Star Wars storytelling. And even though we may not know the full story of how Gideon got it or why he currently wields it, it makes sense that this saber would be in the show. After all, it is called the Mandalorian, and the dark saber is as important to the Mandalorians as the Beskar armor they wear, the planet from which the clans begun, and the creed by which they live. In many ways, the dark saber defines the Mandalorian people. It is a symbol of leadership, of a culture built upon battle, and of a history of civil war and triumph. It has fallen into the hands of some of the most evil leaders who wanted to use Mandalore as a footstool. And it's also served to be a symbol of hope among the Mandalorians by those who led and put the people of Mandalore first. And whoever possesses the Darksaber will never truly rest. As Kanan warned Sabine, once it is known that you have the Saber, others will test you for it. So going into the second season of The Mandalorian, here's what we know so far from season one. During the era of the Empire's rule, before Luke Skywalker and his team of rebels took down the Emperor and the second Death Star, the Great Purge occurred. It is believed that the Empire hunted and attacked the Mandalorian tribes, killing many of them and collecting their armor. The Empire then melted down that Beskar armor into an Imperial currency. For Din Djarin, heavy infantry gunner Paz Vizsla, and others like the Armorer, returning that currency back to armor is necessary to protect themselves and to equip the next generation of Mandalorian warriors. The armor defines them, and when the Empire stole it, they stole the Mandalorian's cultural identity. And Moff Gideon may have stolen the Darksaber as well. 
He may have won it rightfully after a battle with its previous owner, whether it was Bo-Katan or someone else. Or he may have stumbled upon it during the Great Purge. And we don't know much about Moff Gideon at this point, like whether he is indeed a Mandalorian, or if he is an outsider like Maul. And as another season of new Star Wars stories begin, it's good to know that the Darksaber hasn't been forgotten, and that it plays a role in the Mandalorian series. The arcs involving the Darksaber have been some of the best in the modern Star Wars era so far, and I look forward to the role it'll play in the future. Whether we revisit older times or jump ahead to newer ones, I have a feeling the Darksaber will play a valuable part in Star Wars for years to come. Thank you so much for listening. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way.